Welcome to the Inner Sauce. It's a podcast about stuff. Yeah. Hello, 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 hello. What is going on, world? How's my beautiful people doing today on this beautiful Friday? Welcome to the Inner Sauce, episode nine. Episode nine, almost to double digits. Let's go, man. How you guys doing? We are a little late this week. I normally record these on a Monday. It is, in fact, Friday. Uh, A couple reasons for that. Main reason being, I had a great topic planned for this week's episode. And I had a great TED Talk that I was going to use and reference throughout said episode. But the company has not yet granted me permission to use said video. So maybe that'll happen between now and episode 10. But either way, this topic has been on my mind. So I I didn't have to sit and think for too long about what we were going to talk about. This is a question you guys have posed in the comments several times. This is a question just in society. And I certainly include myself in this in this conversation. Why why are quote unquote creative types more prone to depression not even necessarily more prone but why is depression so often present in creative types by creative types i mean artists i mean Actors, actresses, comedians, singers, musical artists of all varieties. I mean, just entertainers in general. Entertainers in general. It's very interesting. I did some reading on it. Try to see if anybody had some good... um, you know, some good insight as far as maybe any potential studies that might have been done or anything like that. And I have some ideas. I have some theories. I am going to reference one particular article in a few minutes here, but I'll give you my theory first, I guess. The bullet and the bullet point that I wrote down for myself. Talk without having to talk. A lot of us, by us I mean people with depression, people with some variety of mental health issues, struggle to not necessarily talk to people. I'm a, I fancy myself a great people person something I've just always been very good at naturally. 
But there is a huge difference between being a people person and being able to connect with people. Very easy to mistake one for the other, but they are extremely different things. Very different things. It's, um, it's hard for us. And again, when I say us, I'm talking about creative people that suffer with some form of depression or mental health issues. It's hard for us to open up and really connect with somebody. Again, I can have a great conversation with you. I can care about you. I can give you advice. We can have some heart to hearts. We can do all of that without ever connecting. Connecting is a very, it's a very specific feeling. It's a very, it's very personal. It's very personal. So I guess my theory is it's not that it's not that creative people become depressed. It's that depressed people find creativity. This is, again, I have no knowledge in any of this stuff, no professional knowledge anyways. I only speak from firsthand experience. I speak from my life, <clears throat> what I have lived, what I continue to live. And, uh, you know, this is just, I guess, what I believe I see. So yeah, I don't think it's creative people become depressed. I truly believe depressed people find creativity in whatever capacity that might be. <clears throat> I, I have always fancied myself a creative type. I can't draw, never been a great singer, but I, I fancy myself a creative type in the sense of Entertainment. I have always been an entertainer. Regardless of what scale that might is, that might be, I've always considered myself an entertainer. Always kind of been the one to make everybody laugh, regardless of age or where we are, whether that be starting way back in school to, you know, job sites with 30 people on it. I was usually the one that had everybody laughing. It feels good, obviously. It feels good to, you know, to be able to make people laugh, a.k.a. bring them happiness in that moment. That definitely plays a part. But I think a lot of it subconsciously, without even trying, without this being the, the motive on the surface, anyways, I just think it's, it's our way of talking to people, communicating with people without actually having to quote unquote, talk to people. We can have a conversation with somebody sometimes for, sometimes for hours, sometimes days on end. If they're coworkers, maybe years, you can talk to them all day, every day and never connect with them. Never talk to them. And I think that that's why 
so many of us gravitate towards creativity because it allows us to talk without talking. It allows us, you know, an artist, <clears throat> an artist can, an artist can show their feelings in an image that they paint, in a song that they write, in jokes that they tell. They can, they can release their pain in these, in these forms of creativity, an actor, an actress, an entertainer. You know, we can, we can use this as an outlet without having to really expose our, our true demons, you know? can talk without talking. I think that has a lot to do with why people with depression gravitate towards all different types of creative outlets. That is certainly not to say all creative types are depressed. That's absolutely not the case. That is absolutely not the case, but it is to be honest, it's shocking how many of them are. It is shocking the percentage of creative types that have depression. It's pretty wild. I mean, depression in itself is so rampant these days. It's so common that I suppose the percentage of any subcategory of people is going to be pretty high just because the general population's percentage is pretty high. But Specifically creative types, it is it is very present. Um, you see it all the time, all the time. I can't even count in my lifetime how many people we have lost to mental health issues. Recently, we've been talking about Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Linkin Park, who took his own life. Um. And then when you go back and you kind of listen to his songs, somebody that doesn't digest the words, somebody that doesn't hear what he's saying and just, just hears a good song, they're just rocking out to a good song, would have absolutely no idea what this man is going through. But I'm telling you right now, if you just pull up, <clears throat> if you have a hard time hearing the words when an artist is singing, when a singer is singing, when a song is playing, I really encourage you. Pull up one of Linkin Park's songs and then pull up the lyric sheet. Super easy to find. Type it into Google. All kinds of websites available. Pull up the lyric sheet and just read along as he sings. And Chester is one of, I mean, countless, countless musicians slash singers that use their music as an outlet. And again, it's not even so much an outlet. I think it's more of a, an accepted form of communication for us. It's, it's more of a, you can say things without having to actually say things again, talk without having to talk, you know? Because at the end of the day, if somebody says, oh my God, is this really how you feel? Well, no, I just, you know, I was just writing a song. 
I was just writing a song from somebody that might be in that situation. I'm writing the song from the perspective of someone who feels that way. But at the end of the day, if it's coming from you, it's in there somewhere. It is in there somewhere. That goes for actors and actresses. You know, somebody that plays a a role to perfection. You hear about it all the time when they kind of get stuck in character or take it too far. That That's just because it's it's all these inner demons that have just been dying to come out that finally found a way to escape. So they're rearing their heads. And sometimes it's, you know, you can't put the, the cover back on that bottle. Depending how much pressure it was under. It can be really hard, sometimes impossible, to recap that. And you hear this, you hear this across all genres. Music is, um, music I think is a great example of what we're talking about simply because there is emotion in, in the vocals. So that can usually be associated with the mental state of the artist or the songwriter, but then also the words that they are actually singing, the song that they actually wrote. You know, some of the, some of my favorite artists, they just, they are incredible at just painting a picture, telling you a story. But again, if stuff hits the fan, I, I, it was just a song, but you know, it was just a song We're we're basically protecting ourselves from having to open up. We're protecting ourselves from having to have that conversation because no, it was just, I just wrote a song. It was just a song, you know? I'm writing about somebody else. That's not me. That's almost never true, though. If, if it came from that person, if it came from, from us, it is in us somewhere. We might not even know that. We might truly believe that we are writing from somebody else's perspective. But that's in us somewhere. It has to be. It came from us. It came from within us. And it's viewed instead of, because again, this all ties back to the stigma surrounding mental health. This all ties back to the fact that for some reason, mental health is looked at the way that it is. And it is just society refuses to accept it as a legitimate health issue which it most certainly is. I don't know when, I don't know if we will ever get to the point where that changes. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Imagine how many more people would be able to realize their potential and not only realize their potential, but imagine what these people could be for other people. Imagine the difference that so many of us could make if we could just figure out us first. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of us accomplished some pretty amazing things without even being able to focus on it really. So yeah, when you, 
when you look at all these different artistic forms of depression, it's very interesting because it's, it's viewed as exactly that. It is viewed as artistic expression. You hear that term all the time. Painters, it's such a beautiful artistic expression. You hear, you always hear people, man, how did they tap into that dark side? Or how did they tap into that world? Well, that world, that dark side is probably right behind their eyes. You just can't see it. They might not have had to tap into anything. They're just, they're just expressing themselves. We call it artistic expression, but really that is just an expression of self. That is just that person, that artist expressing themselves. You are seeing what's going on inside of them. It's difficult to tell sometimes. Like comedians, for instance. Comedians, some of the greatest comedians in the world, some of the greatest comedians that have ever lived are some of the most depressed people that have ever lived. All, you know, the self-deprecating, that's my thing. That's always been my thing. People, people gravitate, people, people can relate to self-deprecating humor. And not only that, so much of the world is just starving for gratification. They're just starving for approval. So when they hear somebody using self-deprecating humor, it, you know, even if they don't think so on the surface, it's somewhere in there. It is making them feel better about themselves. They hear a guy that talks about how overweight he is and make all these jokes about being overweight, you know, can't fit in this or too heavy for, you know, all the overweight jokes or the too short jokes or the, the race jokes, the, the gender jokes, all, all of these things. It is successful because it's making people feel good about themselves. In some cases, people just find it funny. But more often than not, they find it funny because it makes them feel better about themselves. And sometimes that's just because of relatability. Like I said, sometimes that's just because you feel the same way about yourself. So it's really funny to hear somebody just acknowledge it and own it to hear somebody just own that thing that you would never admit to, or that makes you super uncomfortable, you know, I think for a really long time, I've said this before for a really long time, a majority of my life, really almost all of my life, it was only very recently that this changed. I refused to believe, to acknowledge, just saying that I had depression. Those words, it's so hard to explain, but those words felt bad. They felt wrong. Like it, it felt like, it felt like I was, 
felt like I was cowering. Not even cowering. It felt like I was... Man, it felt like I was admitting to a crime. That's probably the best analogy I can give you. It, it felt like I was admitting to a crime to say that I had depression. Again, because in the people that surrounded me, and this is not one per this is the general thought process. This is the general idea of everybody in my life. Everybody. And I mean, you you know, we talk about the stigmatization. Chances are most families are like mine. Most friend groups are like mine. Because judging by the statistics, the world is that way. It is nobody's fault. They don't know what they don't know. But it was because of that. It was because of mental health always being this really weird thing to have. Like you're just, you know, you have to be so weak. You have to be, you know, it's so sad. It's so sad that they, that they have depression. Well, I mean, yeah, it's sad when a cancer patient gets cancer, but you know, they're treating it. They're at least trying to fight it. Why? Well, because they're not embarrassed. They're obviously heartbroken and it's gut wrenching, but they're not embarrassed. It's not their fault. They didn't ask for this. It's not because of choices they made. This is based on things that happened to them. This is based on their body and the way their body is made up. They, it's not something they decided. They didn't choose to have cancer the same way, you know, so many diseases you can say this about. I just use cancer because mental mental health is that significant. It is that serious. It is that serious. So it wasn't until very recently that just saying, just saying that I had depression was so hard. Like, I got to tell you, it was so hard because I wouldn't, I would not. And it wasn't even because of anybody hearing me. I, I think that's, you know, I want to make sure I get that across. It has nothing to do with the people that I'm saying it to. It's me allowing me to say it. It's me after those words leave my mouth and then I'm in my head going, I think, you know, I, I think I do. I, I think I do have depression. I mean, what, you know, what other explanation is there? Because if I listen to everybody else, well, I mean, I'm just a loser basically, you know, but I don't, man, in my heart, I don't feel like a loser. You know, I feel like I try to be a really good person. I try, I feel like I, I love really hard. I care really hard. I feel like I, I work my, my ass off every opportunity that I am given to do so. I don't feel like a bad person, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I think that that's why. I think that's why so many of us gravitate towards some form of creative expression, gravitate towards some fort, some fort, gravitate towards some form of art. Because it, it isn't, it's, hey, it is certainly an art form. 
It is certainly an art form to be able to have an entire conversation and feel nothing. It, 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 hey, it's not easy. I'm going to tell you right now. Again, I only speak from experience. It is an art form to be able to make somebody feel a certain way and, you know, completely get everyone's mind that is listening off of anything to do with you. That's an art form. To be able to stand on a stage with a microphone and nothing else and basically talk about how much you hate yourself for an hour and get rich off it because everybody thought it was hilarious. That's an art form. To be able to write a song about how it hurts so much and all you want to do is escape and scream and cry and but and it's you know number one on the charts biggest selling artist you're worshipped and man how you know you're so talented how do you write songs like that you don't really want to know the answer i'm going to tell you right now you don't want to know the answer to that it'll probably scare you if it's not something you've ever lived they're able to write songs like that because that's what's in their head that's what they're thinking about that's what they are living an artist is able to paint a picture that just, man, it's just so powerful. And it says so much without saying anything at all, because that's what's going on inside of them. That's, that is who they are in the form of a painting, in the form of a song, in the form of a comedy set, in the form of a character played. And there's a certain, there is a certain level of gratification. I think that, you know, in the last episode, I brought up that Bo Burnham special that I watched and how that last, the closing song, I've never, I have never had anything hit me in the way that that did in that moment. Never in my life. It brought me to my knees. And it's. It's incredible because normally when you see something like that, that makes you feel a certain emotion. It might do that the first couple times. And then it's, you know, you're showing other people, man, look at this, look at this to see if maybe they'll feel how you felt when you saw it, you know, but there was something about that, what he said and how he said it, that it, I'm it doesn't matter how many times I listen to it. It has the same exact effect on me. I have to literally give it everything I have not to break down every time I hear that line, that one line. And I realized it's because of how much it resonated, how much, man, that little voice in the back of my head has, it, it must've been screaming that my entire life. And I just never let it come through. I just never listened to what it was actually saying. What Bo said was come and watch the skinny kid with a steadily declining mental health as he attempts to give you what he cannot give himself man oh man 
It just, it's like my whole entire life made sense when he said that. I don't, it's kind of a mix between it all made sense and I was just allowing myself to acknowledge how I've always felt, what I've always been dealing with. It's like I finally, somebody else said it, so I was able to admit it too, you know? I know, I know you guys can relate to that. It's so true. Why do I love to make people laugh? Why do I love more than anything on planet earth? Why do I love to make people happy? Because I can't, I can't give it to myself. I can't do that for me. I can't do that for me. So the fact that I can do that for all these other people, man, is that cool? Man, does that feel good? Kind of live vicariously through them in a weird way. You know, the fact that they can find so much joy and humor in the things that you say or whatever it might be. I don't know. It's, it's very, it's a very interesting dynamic. It's very interesting. And when I really sat down and thought about it, it just made so much sense. I said this to you guys last week. It made more sense to me than anything ever has. And I could not mean that more. We use it as a, I mean, it sounds cliche and obvious, but it's, it's true. We use it as a shield. We use our creative expression as a shield from our true feelings. It's like, here, focus on this here. Look at this painting here. Listen to this song here. Listen to my jokes here. Look at this funny face that I'm making. It's a shield. Those are all metaphorical shields. Because the last thing we're going to do is let you see what's really going on. We're, the last thing we're going to do is show you what we're really thinking about. Because for one, like I just said, the greatest joy I have in life is making other people happy and making people laugh. So guess what my kryptonite is? Guess what the absolute worst feeling that I get in life is when I make somebody sad or when I make somebody upset or when I make somebody not happy. That, that does things to me that I can't even like, it causes physical harm to me. Several times in my life, I have been brought literally to my knees, like fallen to the ground because I've had this insane spasm in the middle of my back. Either when confrontation is happening or when somebody is like really upset with me or, you know, they, maybe they, they see something that you did and they have no idea what your intentions were, but you know exactly what they're going to see and what they're going to think your intentions were. So immediately before you can even clarify it, you just, you feel the effects of that. And that has brought me to the ground literally several times in my life on several occasions. So it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, the whole, the whole relationship between artistic expression and depression. It's very interesting. It's, 
it's a very deep conversation because I don't know for many reasons, right? I guess it's, it's not just one reason. It is many, many reasons. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. I've had so many great conversations with you guys since we started talking about this subject and, um, the stigma, I mean, man, I was telling somebody the other day that it just made me feel so good just to know I wasn't alone, just to know I'm not the broken one or I'm some oddball. This stigma is worldwide. It is, it is like everywhere. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me. It's mind blowing to me. We consume, we, (laughs) man, what a crazy idea. We consume people's depression every day. Think about that for a second. Some of our greatest joy in a day is when we're consuming somebody else's depression in the form of comedy, in the form of music, in the form of a TV show. We are consuming somebody else's depression. Yet, we won't acknowledge it as a society. We consume it. We laugh about it. But I'll be damned if we're going to acknowledge it. I mean, how wild is that? Anyways, that's my thoughts. That's my, uh, that's my little opinion on the matter. So I'm just going to read you guys. I pulled up some, um, this article, I went through a few of them, but this one seems like it had some good points. First one being, it is often said that artists are more likely to suffer from depression than ordinary people. Some possible reasons include the creativity and self-expression that artists often need to use in their work, the emotional intensity of the artistic process, and the ever-changing and competitive nature of the art world. Additionally, many artists live a relatively isolated lifestyle, compounding existing mental health issues. That line really, really hit me. I mean, I haven't had a friend. I haven't had a friend. I'm just going to be totally transparent, as I always am. I have not had a friend in my life since I was using So basically I haven't had a friend because those were just, um, what do you call it? Not an associate. Uh, my God, you guys are probably yelling it at your headphones right now. Accomplice, accomplice. Anyways. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, they are more a. What is the word? I can't think of it. And Lord knows I've heard it a million times throughout my recovery journey. But yeah, they're not, they're not friends, people that you use with. They're not friends. (laughs) 
They are not friends. They are looking to to make a gain off of you, just like you are off of them throughout the whole time you know each other. And you know how I know they're not a friend because the second the using stopped, we ne- we have never talked again since. Not none of us. Literally none of us. And there was a whole lot of people in that circle for me during my using days. A lot of people. And we completely lost touch. We completely cut ties when we stopped our using. Completely. Partially because some of us stopped before others were ready. Some of us were able to admit we needed help before others were able to do so. Some are still in the midst of it right now. All these years later, which is, you know, it breaks my heart. But again, I'd be lying if I said, man, you know, I, I don't know. I'd be lying if I said they were still, they were a friend using or not. We were, you know, we were accomplices. We were, man, I still can't find that word. We were not friends. We certainly were not friends. So, like I just said, I I literally have not had a friend since, man, using started right out of high school. So, sophomore, junior year of high school, I guess, would be the last time that I had somebody in my life <clears throat> that I genuinely cared for and that genuinely cared for me. That's kind of crazy, man. So when I read this, many artists live a relatively isolated lifestyle, which compounds existing mental health issues. Like that makes so much sense, you know? And it all, it's this vicious circle because like I said, doing it through comedy is one thing, but to actually connect with somebody, it's like you're so tired of people hearing part of what you have to say and then they just kind of finish your sentence because they think they know what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Well, you know, well that just must be because of your past, right? Oh, well that just must be because, um, whatever it might be. And the fact of the matter is they have no, they have no idea. They have no idea. And the chances of this person that you're trying to connect with actually listening, not just hearing you, but actually listening and taking it in the chances are so slim in our eyes anyways, that we we totally give up on that process. That's why so many of us are so isolated because it's just, you know, it gets to be exhausting. It gets to be really exhausting to try to explain things to people, not for any sort of pity, not for any sort of sympathy, strictly just to have somebody understand. <laughs> I said this last week. It's just, so many of us, we just want somebody to just understand, you know, just to understand what it is that we're going through. We don't, we don't want a pity party. We just want you to know that, you know, when, it, when we're having our bad days, it's, it's not by choice. It's not by choice. It's not because we feel like being mopey jerks or bringing the, bringing the room down. So I think somewhere subconsciously we isolate ourselves one, because it gets really exhausting to try to connect and you get 
you know, the um, the energy spent and invested and the as hard as it is for us to open up, every time that fails, that door is harder and harder and harder to open. It is it is so hard to open that door after a while because you just you refuse to set yourself up for failure. You refuse to set yourself up for that that it's I mean heartache. What else do you call it? But then the catch twenty two is the fact that living an isolated lifestyle compounds your already existing mental health issues, your already existing depression. It's, it's a vicious little circle. You know, we don't want to, part of it is that, that we don't want to invest all this energy to be let down or whatever and open up or whatever. But the other part of that is we don't want to bring our mess onto anybody else. Like I said earlier, my greatest joy in life is making somebody happy. My kryptonite that causes physical repercussions is making somebody sad, bringing somebody down, making somebody unhappy. Well, how do you make somebody that cares about you unhappy? Well, you, you know, tell them that (laughs) oftentimes you see the world in a very dark way. You see life in a very dark way. You see yourself in a very dark way. The chances and the likelihood of them actually hearing that and not taking it as a cry for help or, um, not taking it as a woe is me. It's it's very slim. Chances of them actually listening are very slim. So a lot of us just stopped taking that chance. A lot of us just stopped sticking our necks out there, so to speak. So yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a pretty interesting little and again, you know, like I said earlier, in my eyes, <clears throat> this all ties back to the stigmatization of mental health, of depression. It all ties back to it. Because if it if it didn't have this stigma, I think there would be so many other alternatives. There would be so many promoted and encouraged methods of dealing with this, like just sitting here, just in the midst of this little conversation with you guys, I, I think, you know, why isn't there a website? Why isn't there a place where, you know, if a, if a farmer wants to date another farmer, there's a website for that, right? If an African-American woman wants to date an African-American man, there's a site for that. If a transgender man wants to date a trans, there's a site for that. Why isn't there a site that I can go meet somebody that has common interests and common struggles with me? Why isn't there a place where people that have these depressed or depression riddled tendencies, why isn't there a place we can meet? Why isn't there a a way for us to meet up and nobody can help you better than somebody that knows what you're going through? Period. Even through my whole addiction thing, nobody can help you in addiction. The last thing you want to hear 
and it's not even that you don't want to hear it. You're just simply not going to listen. You can't tell me about recovery if you've never been an addict. Like that, you know. Bill Burr has a great joke. That would be like me writing a book, the third trimester, and what to expect, right? You don't want to hear that from me. Just like I'm not going to take recovery advice from somebody that's not an addict. Oh, you went and got a degree. You read some books. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you know, zero, you know, absolutely nothing. And I, I could not be more serious when I say that. You just don't realize the depth. They didn't teach you in that little textbook, the depth and how far those branches go out, those, those addiction, the, the addiction repercussion branches, they go so far and the roots go so deep. They didn't teach you that in your little textbook. So I don't want to hear that from you. It's just like, it's the same thing with depression. It's so, you know, and it's not like a negative thing in most cases, like, I don't blame anybody for not being able to get on my level and truly understand what I'm thinking or trying to say or going through. It's not their fault. I'm happy for them. And I'm, I genuinely mean that I am happy that they can't get there with me. It, you know, I'm happy that they don't know what I'm talking about. That's awesome. That is awesome. Genuinely, truly with all my heart. That is awesome. But man, would it be nice to sit down and talk to somebody that does. You know, man, would it be good to just, to just talk to somebody. Cause like I said, until very recently, until I heard that line from Bo Burnham and had some conversations with you guys, I, I was never even able to look at myself and admit that I had mental health problems. I couldn't even admit it to me. So what do you think my chances are of admitting it to other people and then getting them to understand it? You know, the odds are not very good. <laughs> so why isn't there a site for me to go to? Why isn't there some avenue, some method of getting folks with mental health issues connected? And we could start it out the same way they do on all these dating sites. You know, common interests. Hey, we both like to watch football. Hey, you want to come watch a football game with me? That'd be cool. Like it's to the point where I, man, it's just, it runs deep, you know? And I think if I'm being honest with myself, I think the longer that you isolate yourself, the more it affects your life, the more it affects your ability to connect with people, the more it affects your, how critical you are of yourself. And you just, for me anyways, I immediately think, Oh, you know, well, they don't want me in their life. You know, they wouldn't enjoy having me in their life. I'm not, you know, I'm not what they're looking for in a friend or I'm going to screw it up eventually. Or, and I, that's just me. That's just me. Honestly, guessing <laughs> at what really drives my decisions. Because again, I still really don't know to be, you know, to be totally transparent, I don't know what drives a lot of the decisions, what drives a lot of those emotions that I feel when I am in the midst of beginning a connection with somebody or 
a conversation, what makes me not able to open up? You know, I don't know what's at the core of that. I still don't. But I really believe sitting down with somebody like-minded and somebody dealing with the similar issues, man, I think my chances of figuring those things out would shoot through the roof. So I just, you know, it all goes back to the stigma. The only place mental health patients get together is in a, you know, a psychotic mental breakdown home. You know, after somebody finally snaps and loses it, they put you in a straitjacket and throw you in a building. That's the only time we get together. Isn't that kind of crazy? The only time we're in the same room as like-minded people is when it's too late. Is when people dubbed us unfit for society and they throw us in a room and lock it up. I mean, that's just, you would think we're too evolved for this to be the process or for there to be such a lack of a process. I don't know, man. Um, but I do really wish that was a thing because just knowing, even if you're a stranger, just knowing that you deal with the same things I do, we immediately have something in common. We immediately have something to talk about immediately, you know? And then if you discover you have a common interest or two outside of what we're dealing with in our heads, man, the chances of that developing into a friendship, you know, it's far from certain, but it's pretty good. (laughs) It's a lot better than just some regular person that I meet you know, out and about. Anywho, the uh, article continues. Many believe that creative types are more prone to depression. However, it is still unclear whether they have a casual relationship. I think we kind of went over that. Some studies have found that creative people are more likely to experience negative emotions and depression symptoms, including sadness and anxiety. I mean, those are just... Those are just symptoms, but like I said, that's not, we're kind of beating around the bush here. That goes right back to my, my take that artists aren't depressed. It's the depressed becoming artists, finding art, you know, discovering that we can express how we really feel and show our demons and, and say these things that we kind of don't want to say to people because we don't want to bring them down or scare them. Oh, so we'll just put it in the form of a song or a painting or a joke. And then all of a sudden it's acceptable. So we, we got it out there. We said it, but not really, you know, talk without talking. Continuing. However, it is unclear whether this is because creative people are more sensitive to their surroundings or something about the creative process that contributes to these feelings. Again, I'm not sure I agree with that. Depression and creativity are often characterized by focusing on inner thoughts and feelings, a reflective nature, and a heightened sensitivity to them. More or less. Yep, I, I won't disagree with that. Additionally, Both can involve a sense of isolation from others and be misunderstood. Well, that is just a fact. 
This can be a painful and challenging process and can easily get lost, leading to depression. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that is the, um, the outline, <laughs> you know, but there's a lot more to it than that. It is also worth noting that many of history's most creative individuals have suffered from depression and other mental health issues. This is very true. This suggests that depression and creativity are linked somehow, but further research is needed to determine the nature of this relationship. You know, I, I gave you my theory and, uh, I don't know. I kind of think I'm onto something. You guys let me know what you think in the comments though. How do artists typically show signs of depression? Well, I mean, in their art, <laughs> artists pour themselves, artists pour their maximum efforts their hearts and souls into their work only to receive criticism or reject it. Rejection can lead to a feeling of worthlessness and despair. In addition, the pressure to be constantly creative can be overwhelming. Well, I think we're kind of talking about two different things here. That sounds like the pressures of somebody that is a successful artist in whatever capacity, you know, Cause like me, I, I have no pressure to be creative. I, you know, I sit down in this chair and I just, I be me, I be me and people are entertained by it. <laughs> um, but again, just because I'm now in front of a camera in a microphone in a chair with a little studio, I've been doing this all my life. I've been doing this all my life. I never realized it. I never realized why I was doing it or why, what drove me to be that person, but I've been doing it my whole life. It's so, it's just only now I have a camera and a microphone. This results in a creative person leading to a solitary life, exacerbating loneliness and isolation. Let's go through some of the critical symptoms of depression. Well, I don't think we need to do that because yeah. We, uh, we've been doing that, I guess. We know them all too well. I'm just going to kind of skim here and see. Loss of interest in the creative process. Well, that's it. All these are so deep. All these are so involved if you really get into it, you know? I don't think it's ever a a loss of interest. I think sometimes it becomes whatever is on our minds and whatever is trying to come out in the form of our art form. I think sometimes it gets too painful. Sometimes it's, we just don't want to deal with that right now. It would be so much easier to just go do something else. People don't realize how exhausting, how exhausting depression and mental health issues are. It is exhausting. It's basically like taking a finals exam for every second that you're awake. It's really all I can explain it as. It's the only analogy I got for you. Our brains are going a hundred miles an hour all the time. So we look for things and we tend to gravitate to things that help us slow it down, help us think about one thing, help us kind of focus our our energy and our thought process on one area, on one 
thing, one specific thing, just to take a break, you know? Let's see if they got anything else in here. Uh, it's important to remember that major depression is an actual illness and that loss of interest is just one symptom. So I guess they did nail it. Yeah. Nope. They, uh, I'm going to say that again, but it's important to remember that major depression is an actual illness and that loss of interest is just one symptom. That's, yep. Wow, look at this. Mental health is often stigmatized. Hey, especially in the creative community. Hey, hey. Visual artists are under a lot of pressure to be, are under a lot of pressure to be perfect. They often hide their emotions themselves for fear of being seen as weak or crazy. I swear to you guys, I did not write this article. As a result, mental health issues like depression can go unnoticed and they, until they reach a crisis. Amen. One symptom of depression is exhibiting erratic behavior. Amen. This can manifest in overly reactive or agitated even for simple things. Yeah. Yeah. Sure can. If an artist suddenly starts behaving out of character, it may be a sign of struggling with their mental health. Almost always, yes. I mean, we still have bad days with things that aren't, you know, we can have bad days and it not be because of depression. We're still human beings. But yes, that, that certainly happens. Depression often leads to a loss of focus when they're feeling down. As a result, depression can have a real impact on an artist's productivity and creativity. Now that I can relate to. Absolutely. Anytime I have, <clears throat> I'll call it a spell where, and again, I wish I could tell you what causes it, what drives it. I wish I could tell you what's going on, but I don't know. All I know is the symptoms. All I know is the result of it. Just like I can't explain to you, you know, the details of a virus. I really can't explain to you why these things happen to me when I'm feeling a certain way. I go from literally wanting to take over the world. I go from wanting to just change the world around me with my bare hands to a week later, I just, I don't see the point in getting up. I just don't see the point in, in do, moving a single finger. And I, that is a, that is a completely honest, completely honest and transparent statement. That is, I know without asking, I know a lot of you can relate to that. The, it's like a, it's quite literally like a roller coaster. Withdrawing from social interaction. Yep, 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 yep. Um, withdrawing from social interaction is a common symptom of depression. When artists feel down, they may pull away from people and activities they once enjoyed. Yep. This seclusion may manifest. Like for me, 
I'm just going to be, you know, I don't know who listens to this, but I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I used to, my favorite day of the week growing up was Sunday. It was Sunday. I'd go to my grandparents' house. My dad and all the guys would watch football all day. My grandmother would bring us some snacks. That was literally my favorite time every week. I looked forward to that all week long. And then I was just so happy the whole time we were there. And to be completely transparent and honest with you guys, it is so hard for me to, to sit in that same room with the same exact people. Not because of anything they said, but because of what goes on in my head. I, I, <laughs> it is a constant feeling of being judged when they have never given me a reason to think that they have never, ever said anything or done anything to make me feel or think that way. I want to make that very clear. This is me. This is on me and whatever is going on in my head. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Sitting in that room, it feels like, you know, like I said earlier, it feels like I got busted for a crime and I'm sitting in the interrogation room. It's exactly what it feels like. Just paranoia, guilt. It, I mean, man, is it an awful feeling. Um, let's see. If you see an artist, if you see or notice an artist withdrawing from social interaction, you must reach out and offer support. Now, we've talked about this in the past. I don't want to discourage anybody from doing that because it's necessary. And in a lot of cases, you can help. It's one day at a time. Just like many illnesses, like many diseases, it is one day at a time when it comes to depression. So yes, you know, as long as you're doing it in a in a supportive way, not in a, well, you need, you need this, you know, you know, what's going to happen. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't back them into a corner. Don't give ultimatums. That is the absolute fastest way to lose the ear of somebody with depression. Tell me what I need and I will tell you, well, I probably just hung up, so I won't tell you anything. Um, ooh, ooh, experience of changes in sleep patterns, appetite, or weight. Boy, oh boy, could do an entire episode on that. I don't sleep anymore, and I try. Man, do I try. But again, like I've said in the past, I'm not going to fix these things with man-made pills. I'm, I am so far beyond that, that is not in my, that is not, it's not a, an option for me. It's not an option. You could tell me that this pill is going to fix all my problems and I will tell you to keep it. I, it's just, I don't believe in it, man. I do not believe in the pharmacy. I do not believe in pills of all kinds. I get you know, some of them do great things. I just don't believe in it. Simple as that. You're not going to change my mind. 
One of the most notable symptoms of depression is changes in sleep patterns. Those who are depressed may have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. That's very interesting, man. That's very interesting. They may also find that they wake up earlier than usual or have trouble getting out of bed. That's not a lie. Depression can also cause loss of appetite and weight. Some people may lose their appetite while others may eat more than usual. I fluctuate. I fluctuate, but I have been making a a conscious effort on my health. So that definitely applied to me at one point, without a doubt. But I do think I've regained control of that specific aspect of my life. I don't know about the others, <laughs> but that one, yes. Sleep. Sleep, I definitely need some help with. Um, difficulty in concentrating, of course. Struggling with self-expression, yeah. Negative thoughts of self-destructive behavior, negative thoughts or self-destructive behavior, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I mean, they basically continue on to talk about a lot of what we've already talked about. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. You guys give me your thoughts. Let me know what you think, how you feel about this. Do you consider yourself a creative type? And do you suffer with depression? You know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very interesting thing. Like I said at the beginning, there is certainly... A lot of, there is a lot of relationship between the two. It's a little bit like the chicken and the egg, you know, were you creative before you were depressed or were you depressed before you were creative? You know, my personal theory, my, the way I feel from my firsthand experience is creativity comes from depression, whether that's conscious or not. I have always enjoyed entertaining, but it wasn't until very recently that I really acknowledged why. Why do I love that so much? You guys let me know. Let me know what this means to you. Let me know your experiences as you always do. Um. Shout out, big shout out to my patrons. I know you guys didn't didn't get the episode early this week, but like I said, I I had really big plans for this episode and they just haven't come to fruition yet. So hopefully I hear back from those guys soon because I, I cannot wait to show you guys some stuff from that video and just talk about it. I think that's probably going to be our best episode yet seen a lot of downloads i looked at my analytics for the first time on the podcast not youtube youtube totally separate i i was shocked to be completely honest with you i, I could not believe it had almost 200 downloads now i mean shows like tom segura's your mom's house some of the biggest shows in the world had like 10 
downloads their first month of the show or their second month of the show. 200? That's, you guys are just incredible. I looked at the map. There's people listening all over the place. Some of you guys are in California. I have some Mainers. I got people all around the world. It is so neat to me. You guys are, I just, I cannot possibly relay my level of appreciation and gratitude through this microphone or camera. It's not possible. But I'm going to tell you anyway, I just, I thank you guys so much for all the support. My patrons, the YouTube family, anybody listening, they're downloading the podcast. You know, I'm, uh, even on my bad days, I do believe in what I'm working towards. I do believe in my in my purpose for doing all this, I, that has not wavered at all. The momentum is really ramping up. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the YouTube channel is growing very fast right now, (laughs) very fast, faster than it's ever grown. Everything is just pointing straight upward. I genuinely feel in my bones. I had this very weird almost like an outer body, outer body experience in August, just a couple of weeks ago that like the tides have really shifted. Like the rest of my life starts now kind of deal, you know, if that makes any sense to you, but yeah, thank you to everybody listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for the support. And I really want to hear from you guys. I don't just say that. I really want to hear from you guys. Let me know in the comments how you relate to this, if you relate to this, maybe somebody in your life that this makes you think of, talk to me. I I just, you know, talk to me, talk to me. Because even if we're not in person, it it still does so much for me mentally, spiritually, emotionally to engage with you guys in these comments and just to read all of these things that you guys have to say. I just think it's fantastic. Um, and it, you know, I told somebody the other day, it's amazing that what I'm doing is helping people because what they don't know is this is helping me probably more than anybody else. You know, I hope that's not true. I hope I'm helping somebody more than that, but I just, the point is I really appreciate the support and all of you guys listening and continuing to come back. Because I think that the potential for what we can do here is very significant. I really, truly believe in my heart of hearts that we can make a a gigantic impact on the world. And I'm not going to stop until we do. I'm not going to stop when we do, to be totally honest. So, thank you guys again. Go check out the YouTube channel, Saucy Dad with an E-Y. Go check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Saucy Dad. Again, they usually get these episodes every Monday. The rest of the world gets them every Friday. You know, they have some music reactions on there that only they can access. We watch TV together every week. Well, usually. We had a pretty tragic 
pretty tragic little incident in the family this week. So a little off week here, but I wanted to make sure I got this podcast done because this is very important to me. And like I just said, I need this as much as anybody else does. So it was important to me that I come up here to do this, sit down and chat with you guys. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys very soon. I'll talk to you guys very soon. I really hope that they give me permission to use that TED talk and we can um, talk about it. (laughs) So I love you all. Football's back, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, was it very satisfying to watch the Rams get just slaughtered on national TV last night. I hate the Rams. I don't even know why. I just hate the Rams. Stop beating the Bucks, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Have a great week next week. I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you guys in the comments. This has been the Inner Sauce with Saucy Dad. Episode nine. Over and out, man. I'll see you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Stay safe out there. Peace out. Saucy.